beautiful friendship. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to After the Ending. As promised in our last episode, we are back. It wasn't just a one and done. We're back. <laughs> We're back on something of a schedule. So uh, our first show of 2024, welcome everybody. My name is Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And uh, this is the show where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite movies, except we're not going to do that tonight. No, not tonight. Tonight's uh, different. Yeah, it's a special episode. So once a year, Phil and I bring you our top 10 movies of the year before. This is a big deal. You know, top 10 lists, it's all the rage. Um, so we got to do ours, uh, and it takes too long to do this and then do an after the ending. So this episode, we will not be featuring an after the ending. We're just going to be sharing our top 10 movies of 2023, but I'm pretty excited about that because these are movies we don't often get to talk about in the show because we can't do after the endings for them yet because they're too new, right, Phil? Totally. Yeah. We've, uh, we spend a lot of time watching films, hence the podcast and the website and other things. Yep. But as Mike said, our after the endings usually deal with films like five years or more uh, old. That made total grammatical sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, so it's it's nice to be able to talk about more recent films, which we sometimes occasionally do when we do like the top five films we last watched. But this one, it's just looking at films that came out last year. Well, yeah, many came out last year because here in the UK, some don't come out until this year, right? 2024. So I haven't seen those films, but we were talking, we might revisit our top 10 films of 2023 later in the year should our opinions change and after we've seen some of the ones we may have missed but this is as it stands now it's going to be our top 10 films of 2023 yeah it's always a little tricky because like you said phil sometimes has different release dates than, than we have here in the us or i sometimes have we get things a little later here depending on what it is and then there's all the like December prestige films that they put out in the theaters for the awards, but we don't always have time to get to all of those. So there's always a few kind of kind of gaping omissions or movies that people are like, well, what about this movie? And it's like, well, I just haven't had time to see it yet. But if we wait until we have time to see all those, we won't have our top 10 list out till March. And that sort of seems to defeat the purpose. You know what I mean? Like these are kind of the type of things that people are looking at in the, the you know, the beginning of the new year. It's sort of on everyone's mind. So um, and then yeah. and then you also throw in film festivals and getting sent screener discs yeah. of films which we may have seen in 2023 but they're not due out until 2024 2025 yeah. so it can be a bit it's i'm not saying it's a problem it's a delicious problem to have but uh yeah it's also you got to go back and check dates and things like that it can be a bit of a, a seesaw yes of emotion. for sure um well let me ask you this so before we get into our list for say let me ask you this phil how, you know, I think we can agree there are some movie years that are really good and some movie years that are really bad, right? We went through our 100 years of Hollywood and we yeah. went through 1917 through 2017 when we started, uh, obviously all the way through now, 2023. And there's some years where it was like a struggle to find 10 good movies. And there's other years where it's like, how do I get this list down to 10 movies? Uh, how did you feel about 2023 without, you know, without telling us any, any movies particularly? How did you feel about the year as a whole? Uh, I think... I think there was it's sort of sort of in between the two the two extremes you've said there. I uh, 
and also there's quite a few films i have just didn't have a chance to get to see so far so mm -hmm. i know that will probably be that could probably change some of the top of the list and push things off the bottom mm -hmm. uh, there were lots of enjoyable films and that's that's the way that's my main criteria for picking the 10 films the ones i enjoyed the most because if you're doing a, a list of the top 10 best films or the most well-made films it, it would be different again which is always one of those things which which crops up but this is the favorite ones the ones i enjoyed the most seeing at the cinema or on the small screen but yeah it's uh some of the ones that are in my top 10 i was surprised made my top 10 to be honest interesting but i think that's purely because there's as i say there's more films which i i haven't yet seen but it doesn't necessarily mean it would change it but i think it's like an average year when it comes to films with some some amazingly good films but then a lot of average ones right what about you you know I sort of sort of similar uh take and also sort of a different take um in that I do feel like it was kind of in between but in a slightly different way so okay. here's what I noticed my short list of films was one of the longest short lists I think I've ever had um there was a lot of movies I really liked in 2023 however that said you know when I watch movies I use my little letterboxed app and I always yeah, rate, yeah. you know on a five-star rating scale after I finish watching them you know, in 2022, my top two movies were both, you know, five-star ratings. Um, and I don't remember past that, but there might have been more. Um, what was interesting for me was as many movies as there was that I really liked in 2023, I didn't rank a single one as a five-star movie. Um, okay. yeah. Almost my entire list is four-star movies with a couple of four-and-a-halves thrown in. Um, and not that that means anything, except that it's just like there was no clear, clear standouts for me. Like my top ten list, I honestly could switch them from – top to bottom, bottom to top, and I'd be perfectly just as happy with it. Like, Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I had such a hard time narrowing the list down to 10, but then when I got to that 10, I was like, I pretty much enjoyed all these movies equally. There was no real movies that was like, oh my gosh, that's my number one, hands down, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's my number 10, hands down. It was kind of like I could take this list and just throw it up in the air and let it fall down and read it out to you, and I it would be perfectly valid. Like, So I enjoyed a lot of movies, didn't have the like couple of just like super slam dunks where it's like that's on my top 10 list no two ways about it that's a number one or that's a number two you know what i mean yeah and that, was weird for me. that was weird for me not to have anything that sort of jumped out as like oh my gosh this is the movie this is the one where i'm buying the t-shirts and i'm you know i'm raving about it to all my friends um a couple I, that, that stood out a little bit more than others that kind of got to the top of my list but just nothing that was like oh my man add this to the top 20 of all time list or anything like that. You know what I mean? Right. Like I had two of those in 2022 uh, maybe more, but um, yeah, so that was interesting for me, but again, yeah, I, I, I understand there's been previous years where you get films where you just, as soon as you see them, you go, and that's the most amazing film I've right. seen in recent years. That's definitely there. Yeah. There was, well, I think my number one was a bit like that for me in this one, but you usually get a few more as well. We go, that's definitely in the top five. This is in the yeah. top five. This is that. But yeah, none of the others really came. Yeah, I really didn't have yeah. any like that. It was Never almost entirely like these were all good, like four star movies. I enjoyed them all. And now I got to figure out some reason to put this one ahead of this one or vice versa. You know? Yeah. So it was interesting. Just interesting. But, but like I said, so it's like, which is better to have a handful of great movies that you really, really love and then a bunch more mediocre ones or like a much bigger amount of movies that you really like without having the that one or two that's just like unforgettable. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, so. Oh, I've also found there was a few films I saw this year more, and I noticed it more, sorry, in 2023 than in previous years where I'm, 
I didn't necessarily enjoy them. They were well-made films and things. I didn't necessarily enjoy them at the time watching them, but mm -hmm. they stayed with me a lot yeah. longer. I'd, I'd kept thinking about them and the stories involved and the right. performances. So they've they've obviously done something right. The fact it stayed in my my mind, right. uh, and it's just I found that interesting. Yeah, sure. I know exactly and, what you're talking about. Yeah, so. and it's not the kind of kind of feel like in maybe in a, a year or two I, I want to revisit it as well, and they may go up my estimation as. Yeah. Films can often do when you revisit them. Absolutely. Well, I'm very curious to see what you have on your list. I definitely, um, you know, I, I think of the two of us, I'm the one who leans much more to the mainstream, and you definitely, um, not that you don't like the mainstream, but of, yeah, the, yeah. of the two of us, you're the more uh, more open to the kind of, you know, artsy kind of outside yeah. of norm fair and i lean more towards you know the explosions and aliens and things That's like that we complement um, each other people. right 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 so um i definitely did not uh this was not the year where i was like i'm gonna prove you all wrong i'm not a <laughs> popcorn you know uh mainstream movie guy nope i dug into my mainstreamism um very that's, that's the other thing as well previous years on occasion well quite a few times we've both We've often picked like the our top one and two being similar. Right. Like we've known either one will go, oh, that's probably in there one as well. Yeah. But I don't know whether that will be the case at all in this this year. But we should I'm see. I guess not as much. No. I think there's there's one movie that I know for sure will be on both our lists. I'm pretty confident. And honestly, everything else, I think it's a crapshoot. And I know there's one or two that of mine that won't be on your list. And I think there's a couple you haven't seen. So I think we might have some pretty different lists this year, but we'll see. Yeah. We always surprise each other. Okay. Well, before we begin, I will just remind if you are watching this live on Facebook, uh, on the After the Ending Facebook page, you can leave a comment on this post below the video. We are pointing down now. Right. Leave it there and we will it will flash up for us to see. And right. if it's keep it clean, by the way. And yes. if it is, uh, we can throw it up on the screen here and we can thank you for the comment. Or if you have a question, or if you agree or disagree with the films we're going to mention now, or yeah. if you want to share your top 10 films, that would be great. Yep. And if you do it after the once this uh, broadcast has ended, we will still see it and we will still respond. But yeah, yeah, so there you go. We'll even read them out loud if they come in live on the show while we're recording. So if you want to be famous for three seconds, uh, and I use the famous the word famous very loosely, um, <laughs> and, uh, this is your time to shine. Um, okay, so uh, Phil, who who who's starting? How are we doing this? What's the who wants to go first? Well, I think we should go with which of the last, which one was the last of us to be in America? <laughs> okay. Well, let me think about that really hard. Mm -hmm. So, all right, I'll kick things off. That sounds okay. Good. Okay. Um, so, my number 10 uh, is the simply titled Wham. And I say it Wham! like that because it has an explanation point at the end. So, it's Wham. Wham! Every time. Um, it is the documentary that aired on Netflix uh, about the 1980s pop group Wham! that birthed uh, George Michael's career, most famously, um, and was responsible for hit songs like Careless Whisper and Everything She Wants and a bunch of other songs that people will recognize. Um, not going to lie, I'm a huge Wham! fan. I was when I was a kid. I've, I've always really enjoyed their music. I think it's great pop music. Um, but this documentary was really fantastic. You know, it goes all the way through the the two, you know, George Michael and Andrew Ridgely um, becoming friends as very young kids, um, how they started in music, how they almost didn't make it music, like tons of what was really great about it was it didn't just tell their story, but the amount because we were getting into the age now where things started to be recorded on videotape and stuff like that, the amount yeah. of footage they had 
was really crazy. Like I didn't even know that the, for the first few years that Wham was around, they had two other girls in the group who were kind of like backup dancers slash. Captain Shelley, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, tons of footage with them, tons of interviews. Like you would think it's one of those movies where like George Michael is only seen in like concert footage and stuff, but there's a bunch of interviews with him from when he was still alive. A bunch of interviews with Andrew Ridgely. Um, there's archival interviews from the time. There's some that were done kind of you know retrospectively. Some really great concert footage that shows just how great they were live how powerful they were live if you know if you like that music um it was just a well-rounded documentary really gave you a great uh picture of their entire career as short as it was and how great their music was um and their personalities and like george michael's struggle with being closeted gay man all this stuff they went into the the songwriting and and you know their popularity and their final concert and everything i was blown away by it again admittedly i'm a fan um i think you know, if you're even a casual Wham fan, you would really enjoy this documentary. I watched it with my wife and she really enjoyed it. She, you know, she knows a handful of her songs, but she couldn't sing along to every track like I was doing. Um, <laughs> but it's fantastic. So unless you absolutely hate Wham or George Michael, highly recommend it. I think it's terrific. Nice yeah, well, uh, I forgot, forgot about the documentary, to be honest, but uh, I lived through all that here in the UK anyway. So mm -hmm. knew about Pepsi and Shirley. I used to see them on Top of the Pops, which is a music show here in the UK every yeah. week. You'd see them on all kinds of getting interviewed and things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if it's a well-made documentary, I always feel it doesn't matter whether you like the subject matter or not. It can still – it will take you into it and you'll learn new things anyway. But yeah. I, was, I wasn't I was a huge fan of one, but I do like uh, lots of the music. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not a hater. No, I know. Uh, I know. It's fine. But, you know, everyone uh, it's one, I sh it's one I should uh, go back to and, and watch because it's, uh, it's still on Netflix, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I mean, I think even if you're not a huge fan, and that's okay. I, I'm a bigger fan than most people. I recognize that. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, if you like their hit songs, even I, I just I think you'll. I mean, Last Christmas has covered everything. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. Excellent. Yeah, I will definitely have to give that a watch. Okay, my number ten is a double whammy. It's the only double whammy on the list, mm -hmm. but it's a couple. It's a couple of uh, horror movies. One of them I didn't think was going to be on the list at all. But the first one is uh, Evil Dead Rise, mm. which was written and directed by Lee Cronin. I've always enjoyed the Evil Dead films. Uh, I found as I've got older, I don't particularly appreciate the gore in lots of horror movies. But for some reason, the Evil Dead Rise, uh, Evil Dead films, the gore. Has often been so over the top, it's just it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. uh, this one was a more serious than the ones with Ash and Ash versus Evil Dead, but it really went all in on the gore. Had some good performances, mixed things up a bit. You do hear Ash briefly uh, on this recording, audio recording, which was good. And it basically, you go and oh, Ash has stuffed things up again in the past, as he always does. Uh, but unfortunately, it affects this this mother and her kids in the apartment building, and it goes. Does terrible things happen to these people? They do it to themselves, to other people, and there's lots of blood. But I enjoyed it uh, immensely when I saw it at the cinema. Uh, I know some people didn't, but I it was a it was one that I really enjoyed. And the other one was one which I saw on the flight over to for you. It is uh, the Pope's Exorcist, uh. which to us, yeah, that's what I mean. I, it was on the plane. I picked it. I'd heard people saying, oh, actually, that was all right. It's better than The Exorcist Begins. Is that what it's called? The other the official it. exorcist prequel. But this one oh. stars uh, Russell Crowe as an Italian exorcist. And it's Russell Crowe. Just, he just goes, he goes, this is ridiculous, but he goes all in on it. He's got this Italian accent. He's over the top. He chews the scenery. He steals every scene he's in. And I was just there going, this is awesome. 
<laughs> he's amazing. It sets it's brilliant as well. It sets up the possibility of a sequel, and then immediately cuts it out at the end. But uh, no, I really enjoyed it. But that's the Pope's Exorcist and Evil Dead Rise. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, those are not on my list. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I think they really were. Didn't like Evil Dead Rise. Um, it was interesting in that it was never like boring or anything, but man, it was mm -hmm. so gory and so nasty and just like I don't know. I I just I didn't care for it. Um, and uh, Pope's Exorcist, I I thought it was just very meh to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I, I um I don't disagree with what you're saying. Like he Russell Crowe is is good in it. It did have some neat parts to it, but I felt like it just at the end of the day was like another exorcism movie that yeah. I don't I didn't feel like it did a lot different personally but um but it was fine it was fine is what i would say you know what i mean yeah. so um all right very good Fair enough. okay my number nine is operation fortune ruse du guerre oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah uh a guy ritchie film which is if you told me i was gonna put a guy ritchie film in my top 10 i would be very surprised <laughs> uh, almost two guy ritchie films in my top 10 actually um but one of them is only going to be you'll hear in my uh in my honorable mentions um Operation Fortune, starring uh, Jason Statham, Aubrey Plaza, Hugh Grant, Carrie Elwes, Josh Hartnett. Great cast. Um, it is basically like if they took the Mission Impossible movies and made them with a sense of humor. And I don't mean that as a dig because I love the Mission Impossible movies, but they're not funny movies. Um, yeah. If you took the Mission Impossible movies, kind of took that idea of like kind of an all-star cast, a group, a team of people using disguises and and, you know, heists and things, cons and stuff like that to save the world, uh, it would be Operation Fortune. Um, I had so much fun with this movie. Ironically, I watched it on a plane also. Um, just <laughs> one. Um, but it's it's Guy Ritchie, and it's just, he just directs it with such a light touch. And, you know, it's got action, it's got comedy. Like, Hugh Grant is terrific. Josh Hartnett is fantastic. He's having a, an acting renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Hartnett. I don't know what's going on with him, but he suddenly has turned into a really good actor. Um, Jason Statham, of course, we all know. If you've listened to the show ever before, you know what a huge Jason Statham fan I am. I am, yeah. but it's not a typical role for him because it's not just all action. Um, but like, if you just want to watch a really fun, fun, fun action movie, Operation Fortune is it. It's it's kind of like, like I said, it's like Mission Impossible with a sense of humor, um, and it looks great and it's stylish and it's just. I had a blast. I had a blast watching it. And for me, you know, as you know, Phil, one of often what I look for in movies is how, how much fun do I have watching them. Um, sometimes that's not always true because some of my movies on this list weren't fun per se. We'll get to some of those a little bit later. Uh, but this is one that's just plain fun. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Excellent. So, yeah. Operation Fortune, Ruse du Guerre. Good stuff. I've seen. I've seen the film. I, I enjoyed it. It didn't quite. It didn't quite click as much for me, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, as you say, it's uh, it is like a Mission Impossible thing, but with a twist, a bit of humor. Mm -hmm. and I also I felt like I'd like to see a prequel for mm -hmm. Jason Statham's character because it sets up a lot of things about him. Yeah, and as there's a bit of exposition or the way it shows it, I'd like to see how that came about. I'd like to see a bit more. I, I don't often th think, oh, we need a prequel to this, but I'd I'd, <laughs> I'd enjoy right. seeing a prequel with regards yeah. to him. Okay. Yeah. And, and with Josh Hartnett, you're right. He's been he's on a roll. Right, oh right man! He, and also in Guy Ritchie movies because he was also in Wrath of Man and he was outstanding in that. Oh, Wrath of Man, so good. I really enjoyed so that. So good. And um, I've seen him in a couple other things where I'm just like, where did Josh Hartnett come from all of a sudden? Like he kind of disappeared for several years. Now yeah. he's in a bunch of stuff and he's just outstanding. Uh, just outstanding. Never an actor I really liked when he was young and kind of the one of the hot actors. And I always was 
like not that excited by him. And now he's like everything he's in in like a supporting role. He's like the best value add you can get. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I always liked him in Thirty Days of Night. I think that was where it's oh, yeah. turned for me. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Okay, so my number nine is one that was on Netflix. It was uh, they cloned Tyrone, mm. which is uh, described as a science fiction comedy mystery, uh, directed by. Uh, apologies, uh, Jewel Taylor or Huel Taylor, but it stars John Boyega, Tayona Paris, and Jamie Foxx. And I love this. It's uh, it's like taking the old 70s black exploitation films and mashing it up with a sci fi conspiracy. Uh, and it just goes all in. It, 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 it knows the theme well, it knows the style it wants to do. It's got brilliant performances, it's got a real good mystery going on, uh, which is ridiculous, but also. One of those ones we go, okay, yeah, that could, you know, <laughs> I'll go with it. Yeah. Uh, it's got some great little effects. It's got some, it's got clones, but uh, brilliant performances. I loved Jamie Foxx's character. He's the, uh, he's the pimp. Uh, and But he's just, once he comes into it and he's just, he's just got guns everywhere. And then when the whole uh, neighborhood gets involved as well. So many good scenes, uh, great script, great characters. Uh and a nice little done-in-one sci-fi film, which you don't often get these days, but uh, its own thing, an original story, original concept, and it was done very well. Yeah, I actually really liked uh, the Clone Tyrone. I, I it didn't make my list. It wasn't. It wasn't that kind of movie for me. I guess is what I would say in terms of like I, you know, it, it didn't really come up as one that I kind of considered putting my top ten. But like, I enjoyed it quite a bit when I watched it. I had the very much the same reaction to you. It's yeah. Great. yeah. You know, little sci-fi kind of conspiracy, kind of like a you know, invasion of the body snatchers meets Get Out. You know, yeah, um, oh yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was uh, quite enjoyable. So good. All right, well, we're on the same page on that one. I like that. All right, uh, very good pick. So my number eight. Um, okay, people are probably going to kill me a little bit for this one being so high. Uh, it's a it was, it's a favorite. I'm going to say a lot of people really love this movie, and I did too. Uh, it's like other movies better, uh, but it is Godzilla minus one, uh, which I'm I'm not not to spoil anything, Phil, but I'm suspecting we might hear it from again as the night goes on. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed Godzilla minus one, and I know people are raving about it; they're going nuts over it, and that's great. I really really liked it. It's on my top ten list. Um, it's really well done. The graphics are great. There was a couple of really surprising moments in it, which I loved. I don't want to spoil them now. Um, but there's some things that happen, some characters that I was like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Mm -hmm. um, I think it just boils down to the reason it doesn't get higher for me. I don't I don't know if this is why or not, but I'm just not that big of a Godzilla fan. Like I, people really love Godzilla. I like Godzilla for the most part, but like I'm never I'm never the guy like wearing the Godzilla T-shirt or going out of my way to see like all the Godzilla movies or any of those things. It's, you know. I like him. He's fine. But this one was yeah. really good. I liked it being kind of like a sort of remake, sort of reimagining of the original Godzilla story when it's like, you know, still a new thing. It's not just like the 27th time Godzilla has stomped on Tokyo. I thought that the characters were really good. The writing was really good. It definitely had some emotion. I mean, like people, you've heard people commenting that they're crying by the end. I was one of those people. Uh, not that it's hard to get me to cry in a movie. We all know <laughs> um, But uh, I definitely, I mean, it's definitely one of the best Godzilla movies I've ever seen. Um you know, in terms of the most recent stuff, especially. Uh, but yeah, so I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's it's Godzilla and it was fun and it was, you know, it's really, really well made, but it, it came in at number eight. When I put them in order, that's kind of about what felt right for me. So hopefully okay. nobody me for not putting it up higher. 
Okay. Yeah, it was all right. We we may hear it again in a bit. <laughs> I'll say no more. All right. Okay, my number eight is uh, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Yep. Uh, Long-time listeners and friends will know I'm a big Dungeons & Dragons uh, fan. I've been the Dungeon Master for a group since 2016. I played a lot as well when I was younger. Uh, I know Mike recently played D&D the first time in a long time. Yeah. Was it the first time ever? First time ever. First time ever. Uh, but yeah, I'm a big fan of D&D uh, and ro- lots of other role-playing games. There's loads of good role-playing games. Try one, get your friends together, they're good. But uh, when this came out, I was initially going, oh, please be at least you know, passable because the previous oh. ones, I'm looking at you, Jeremy Irons, and yeah, the others, they were not good. They had some camp moments and some sometimes good to watch with your friends and a few beers, drink responsibly. <laughs> but uh, I, I wasn't expecting much, to be honest. But then I watched it and I was going, "Oh my god, this is re- this is a lot of fun. It works well if you're not a fan of D or if you don't know anything about D and D, because it's at its heart, it's a group of friends or companions getting together to do a few heists and stop the bad guy. It's a good story which could be set in lots of different places, but it's good characters. The people who made it know D and D well. You see, there's lots of references to creatures and spells and places." which is amazing. Lots of the places in the film my my group have been to, so we all get together going, oh, my God, yeah, this that's that place. It's fantastic. And there's also moments where if you've played the game, you know what they're doing. There's one bit where a character who isn't, you, you know, isn't played by an actual player. If you were sat around a table, he's controlled by the dungeon master, and he turns up, does a lot of exposition, kills a lot of bad guys, and then just walks off in a straight line and it's gone and there's little moments like that so it works on levels for people who know nothing about D&D casual fans and um, people who've played it for a long time there'll be references I didn't get but it was it looked great some good practical good CGI Uh, it was hilarious and I hope we do get a sequel because it, it deserves one yeah, that's my number eight. Very good. Before I comment on it, let me bring up a viewer comment from uh, James Powell. Uh, he hello, says, James. "Jeremy Irons, hello, James." He says, "Jeremy Irons was the only good thing about the 2000 movie. He was hilariously over the top." I don't think Phil or nor I will argue with you on that one, James. He yeah. was hilariously over the top. I, I actually don't hate that 2000 movie. I, it's not great. I get that. I I remember watching it and thinking like that was okay. It was fun. Like it's low budget, but like I just I don't have the same vitriol for it that some people do. Um, but uh, but yes, I mean looking back on it, it's not good. And Jeremy Irons was definitely the best part of it. So yeah, yeah, he did. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, it looked like he had a good time. And James also said hi back. So oh. thanks. Hi. Thanks for your comment. <laughs> coming. Um, now, in response to you, Phil, uh, I agree. I actually did not make it. Didn't make my list. Um, not because I didn't think about it, though. It was on my short list. Uh, I really liked it. I loved. I loved Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I, I mean, the movie that you just talked about. I enjoyed the heck out of it. And honestly, um, it came close. It was. It just didn't make the cut because again, there's too many movies that were all. I all liked the same amount to really pick. You know. To kind yeah, of put some yeah. other ones. Um, I will say this though: the graveyard scene in Dungeons and Dragons is hands down the funniest thing <laughs> I saw in all of 2023. Uh, yeah, I love that scene so much. And I mean, if the rest of the movie had been that funny, I, it would have been my number one for sure. Not a knock on it because it was a very funny movie, but that scene is like one of the most perfectly written comedy bits 
ever in my life. It was like they channeled Abbott and Costello into a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, oh, totally, yeah, yeah. God, I loved it. So, uh, yes. To be, fair, to be fair, that spell, Speak With Dead, there have been similar moments around the table where somebody goes, oh, you know, okay, so how many questions have I got left? And they go, three, oh, and you go, just... It just goes off like yeah. that. You just go oh, listen yeah. and just go, that's a question. Yep. That's yep. That's, it was oh, it was amazing. So I'm sure that's what it was born of, and it just yeah. worked so well in the movie. So um, so great choice. All right. Uh, my number seven is my one tie. Um, and I'll be honest with you. I only made these two a tie because I just couldn't get it down to 10. I couldn't even get it down to 11, but I did somehow. Um, <laughs> so I paired up these two movies and the only criteria that I could come up with to tie two movies, because none of my movies really like thematically went together, is they both have the same word in their title. Completely <laughs> kinds of movies, but they both have one word that matches in their title. So my number seven is a double whammy of To Catch a Killer and Totally Killer. Okay, uh, yeah. Two very, very different films. Um, to Catch a Killer stars Shailene Woodley and Ben Mendelsohn. Um, and it's directed by somebody I've never heard of, Damien Sifrin. However you say his name, apologies if I said his name wrong. Um, and it's a really great, like, suspense thriller. Um, ben Mendelsohn plays like an FBI investigator. He's tracking a serial killer. Shailene Woodley is on the scene. Of, it's not. She's more of a terrorist killer. But anyway, kills a lot of people. She's kind of like the one person on the scene, like the one cop, like like beat cop who kind of does the right thing. So he recruits her to help him solve this crime because he's like he sees something in her, you know, but she's got some yeah. kind of damage in her past. And the two of them working together try to track down this killer. And it is phenomenal. It's a streaming film. I forget which service it was on. It may have been in theaters. I don't remember seeing it in theaters, but um, it's phenomenal. Ben Mendelsohn, of course, one of my favorite actors, his performance outstanding shailene woodley you know she's always a great actress i think but she's terrific in it and the story is just so suspenseful and it keeps you moving and it keeps surprising you and it's just like you're on the edge of your seat the whole time so like a really good just suspense thriller um the other one is totally killer which is effectively back to the future meets slasher films um yeah. amazon prime i want to say movie that it is yeah. yeah i think it's yeah. Prime. um it stars kiernan shipka uh and is directed by nanachka khan who is also someone i'm not familiar with oh my god i loved it it is so funny it's a comedy but it's a horror film at the same time it's a good horror film like there's scares in it and there's some good kills but there's a ton of comedy it's super well written there's so many jokes about the 80s it's this girl goes back in time and has to stop a, a slasher killer um and there's so many jokes about just how life was different in the 80s than it is now it's not even jokes about like 80s pop culture it's more things like when she tries to get into the school and then she's like don't you need to like see my id or something and they're like no and it's like you know it's just <laughs> how the world is now it's stuff like that it's so on point and so um just really gets it uh and the fact that it's just it's it's like laugh out loud funny but also a good horror movie good horror comedies are so hard to pull off um, but I totally loved it. Uh, watched it with my kids, my teenage kids. Few too many R-rated jokes that made me a little uncomfortable for my taste. So if you're going to watch it with teenagers, just be aware. Um, there's a lot of, let's say, explicit jokes. and Not a lot, a lot. Just enough to make it slightly uncomfortable if you're watching it with a teenager. Because uh, it is rated R. But, you know, my kids have seen some stuff before that I judged. It was it would be okay. And it was not It was fine, but, you know, slightly yeah. Slightly awkward in a couple of scenes, but still a great movie. So Totally Killer is the time travel slasher one. It's lots and lots of fun. Uh, and then To Catch a Killer, really intense suspense thriller. Uh, highly recommend them both. That's my number seven. Brilliant. Yeah, I've seen, I, I watched Totally Killer and I enjoyed it. Yeah, agree with everything you said. It was a, a good twist on the Back to the Future uh, 
riff, but uh, I've not seen the other one to catch a killer. But I remember I posted the trailer on yeah, uh, films and that looked uh, it did look interesting. I do like Ben Mendelsohn, yeah. So I'm not sure where that is, where it's streaming, uh, but I'll try and it could be down. like a Netflix one, it might have been like stars or something. I don't know. I have all the streaming services, so I, yeah, figured, you know what, I'll look it up while you talk, okay, uh, while you do your next one, and then I'll tell yeah. people after you're done. How's that sound? That sounds good to me. My number seven then is uh spider-man across the spider-verse it is that's yeah across the spider-verse is the sequel yeah it's the animated sequel to spider-man into the spider-verse we follow miles morales as he does gets up to some more multiverse shenanigans uh, i love the first film i love this one not quite as much as the the original because i did feel it went it got a bit too hectic a bit too much on screen at one time maybe it's my age maybe it's my eyes Maybe it's Maybelline. We just don't know. But uh, I, I did like it. Uh, the, the fact it's this uh, introduced the spot uh, or a new a new version of the spot. Yeah, but I, I quite like that him as an antagonist or the big bad lurking in the background because the main antagonist is Spider Man twenty ninety nine, who I've always loved. Always liked that character and the suit design. But Miles Morales is a great character. Spider Gwen, or what you call Spider yeah, Ghost, or whatever you call her in the film. Yeah. She's great, great voice cast, but I also like the fact that each different uh, universe has a different animation art style, like the watercolors for Gwen. And then when they get to the uh, the Indian Spider-Man, whose name I forget, but it's just so many. The, the artwork is just stunning and incredible. Uh, I, I love it. I do, I do like as well the fact it didn't just copy the first film. It's an escalation. It's uh, The story moves on. It gets bigger, opens up. Uh, and we, we see some wonderful things like spider cat and, and the spider t-rex yeah i've said spider too often but anyway that's my number seven i I've, it was a lot of fun and i look forward to seeing the fact that it ended on a cliffhanger was kind of good but also kind of uh especially after such a long film right uh but i'm looking forward to see how it all wraps up all right um people will get mad at me for this i liked the across the spider verse into the spider verse movies um I enjoy them quite a bit. I don't love them. Yeah. Uh, partly what you said, I don't know, maybe I'm just old. Um, although my daughter agrees with me on these, actually, even though she really likes them too. But I, it's like, it's not so much just that there's so much going on that, you know, visually and all that stuff. To me, it's like watching the second one, I felt like there's just not a single moment to breathe. You know what I mean? The movie just yeah, slows yeah. down for five seconds just to give your brain a chance to catch up. And when they're in those frenetic action scenes with all the the action plus the animation, like doing all the popping stuff that it does and all the, you know, the jumping and all that. And then the dialogue, which comes so rapid fire. It's like watching Gilmore Girls on, on speed. <laughs> and I, I, it's just so much to process where I feel like I. I can follow what's happening, but like the, the dialogue is going so fast. I'm like, wait, I just processed what that line was. Now I missed this line. And I was like, just, I just need a minute to breathe here and there. And I think I would like these more. I enjoy them very much. Um, but they're not to me like movies where I'm like, oh my God, like I love these movies. You know what I mean? It's a fine distinction, but it's a distinction nonetheless. No, I, I get it. Yeah. The pacing is, I know exactly what you mean about the pacing and the frenetic visuals yeah. and everything yeah. yeah yeah just just need a little bit of and then it's like it was very long and so it's very long without a break it's just like just gotta give me a minute you know but yeah i like them so it didn't make my list but a good movie nonetheless okay uh my number six uh is a sequel 
the only sequel, I believe, on my list, actually. Okay. Uh, the only film, actually, as part of a franchise, I guess, technically, on my list. Sort of. Um, sort of. There's like a weird caveat to that. But anyway, it is... Uh, oh, oh, by the way, sorry, before I reveal that suspenseful moment here, uh, it's the most suspenseful oh, yeah, go on. Yeah. ceremony ever. Um, to Catch a Killer is currently on Hulu. I'm not sure if it's like a Hulu exclusive, like that's the only place like they, like Hulu made it, so it'll always be on Hulu, or if it's just yeah. like they're the ones who have it this month. Um, but currently you can catch To Catch a Killer, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, on Hulu. Okay, well, we don't get Hulu over here, but Disney Plus... Oh, really? You Disney Plus usually get the show oh, the right. stuff over here. Right, right, right. So I don't know if that's going to be too R-rated for Disney Plus. Yeah, um, well, there's the star section on there, which often has those kind of films. Okay. So it, it it might be on there, but I'll I'll, I'll check it out. All right, Thank definitely you. worth watching. All right, so anyway, my number six is uh, a sequel. It is Extraction Two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, starring Chris Hemsworth, directed by Sam Hargrave. Um, and man, what. Speaking of movies that don't let up, I'm mean, being a little hypocritical <laughs> because they're, you know, Spider. I give Spider Man a hard time, but Extraction too, man, holy cow! Although there was a few moments to breathe at least in that movie, um, but not during that incredible 22 minute epic scene that's all seamlessly done in, in one take, so to speak. So Extraction two, you know, it's Chris Hemsworth. He's trying to, you know, rescue people, and everyone's trying to kill him. Um, but there's this. I'm sure people have heard about it. If you haven't, there's this 22 minute sequence in the middle of the film that is, you know, shot to look like it's all done in one take, and large chunks of it are done in one take, yeah. and then those large chunks are kind of edited together. But it's very seamlessly done, and man, it is breathtaking. Like you're just watching it because, like, when I watched, it, I didn't know it was coming. Like and then they did that, so I'm just watching it. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's all one take for a little bit, and then it just like just doesn't stop, and you just keep watching and watching, it, and you're like, when are they going to cut? And they never do. It's it's. I did the same thing, yeah. Yeah, uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I liked it way better than the first one, even though I enjoyed the first one. But this one really blew me away. I just think as like, you know, action films are my favorite genre, and I don't think there's a lot of good ones these days often. Um, this is a really great action film. Uh, and I, I love Chris Hemsworth. And I think he's kind of taking this character. It's not like a deep character. It's not like I'm saying, oh, it's some great acting performance. But it's kind of he's making it his own, kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Stallone used to do back in the day, you know. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's like that, yeah. Yeah, it's got that kind of vibe to it. So, um, yeah, Extraction Two, just a you know pure high octane action film that just does not let up in, in the in the good way. Um, and I loved it, so that's my number six. Good choice. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I've enjoyed both of them. It just didn't didn't make my list uh, just because I didn't uh, enjoy it as much as the other films. But yeah, it's it's a good one. It's a good one to sit down and watch. Uh, and I'm interested to see if they make a third one. What they're going to do with that? Will they try and keep it ground as grounded as they can? Or right. Will it do like an Arnie and Stallone. Yeah, yeah. And sequel and just go, you know, right. Rambo three or something like that. Right. Yeah. We shall see. Oh, we've we got another see. comment from James. All right. Let me bring it up. He says that twenty-two minutes was worth the price of admission alone. Action harks back to classic eighties action movies. Shame we don't get more like it these days. That's true. Right. Uh, I do like a good action film. And when you do get a good one, it's uh, it's always something to celebrate. Yeah. So I'm I, glad it made your list, Mike. Absolutely. I, I am. I'm. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. I'm glad James enjoyed it. I agree with you, uh, James. It, it is. It is really. That's yeah. Love me some action. Like good. Good. Just straight action films, man. Yeah. Love them. I love them. I'm not. I'm a simple man. What can I say? <laughs> you like simple things, right? Simple, simple action is most that's enjoyable. Right. Yep. Okay. Well, my, pardon me. My number six is uh the Gareth Edwards-directed film, The Creator, the sci-fi film, 
which uh, is set in 2070. There's been a big war. There's AIs have risen. Uh, then something's happened, which has caused nuclear bombs to blow up. And mankind is at war with AIs. It could never happen. I mean, AIs on a thing. Oh, no. Uh, but no, I really i have enjoyed Gareth Edwards's films, not because we share the same surname. I don't right. think we're related. But uh, I just, I, I love Monsters. I love the fact he does it all himself. Well, that was what he did with Monsters. You know, he does what you see making off for the creator. He's the one holding the camera. He's doing all the camera work, directing it. He's his. The thing that got me about the creator, the main thing, is just the stunning visual effects. They're just breathtaking. And it was a, a low budget. Uh, it had an $80 million budget. Wow. And it looks way better than lots of the, like, the recent comic book movies which have come out from Marvel and DC. Right. See, I'm talking about the visual effects, you know, there's bad CG and lots of them, but this one, it's just seamless. It just it makes a living, breathing world with these these androids, artificial intelligence droids, the the big tanks, the whole cityscapes. It's just it's just put in beautifully. Yeah. Some of the performances are a little bit flat or just don't quite work. I'm not, I'm not sure why that's the case, but on the whole, it's well, it's got Alison Janney in it, and I don't think she's in as great. She's playing a bad guy in this, which is uh, which was good. But I, I like this. It's a story as well, which is it follows the beats of many other stories. A guy sent in to to kill someone or something, but then ends up going. No, we must look after it, and right. then brings it with him. But I like the way it. It just it was a different kind of vibe to lots of other films. The world it set in was a different different than what we usually see in these kind of films. Yeah, uh, and I just, I just really enjoyed it. What it, the story it told, but mainly just the way it just looked. I just thought it was beautiful and had some stunning visual effects. Yeah, great, excellent choice. All right, uh, okay. So uh, my number five is now. I'm going to get into my one choice. That's, uh, it's not not mainstream, but it's definitely more like movie critic friendly than my, you know, my typical <laughs> choices. Uh, and I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, because it may be one. It might be one of those um, end of the year Britain American things. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's been on a lot of people's top ten lists. So I almost was like, am I putting this too high? Am I giving into like the pressure that like it should be higher because everyone loves it so much? This oh, and that. I, know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I clearly didn't do that based on with Godzilla. So I don't know why I think that, but it is the holdovers. Yeah, I've not seen it yet. It's uh, just not a chance to. Yeah, so I am not typically a big Alexander Payne fan. He's the director of it. He's made other movies. Um, one of his most famous ones is Election, which I absolutely hate. Um, but he's made some good movies. He's made some okay movies. He's made some bad movies. He's kind of all over the place a little bit. Um, and I got it to review, and honestly, like, there's just the cover alone turned me off, like, because it says, like, <laughs> cover, it says The Holdovers. And then underneath it, there's sort of this, like, subtitle, but not really a subtitle, but it just says discomfort and joy and i was like oh well, I don't no. discomfort like that sounds terrible why do i want to watch this film um and i and like the first five minutes i was like oh here we go it's pretentious valley like it's gonna be <laughs> this film's gonna be annoying and blah 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 and whatever and honestly it really won me over um it's paul giamatti who you know i think everyone agrees paul giamatti is a really good actor but i feel like he also sometimes phones it in a little bit you know um or takes roles that maybe aren't that challenging um, or kind of just plays Paul Giamatti, even though he can do so much more than that. Yeah, this movie he is just phenomenal in. I mean, just unbelievable, like Oscar-winning 
performance, in my opinion. Um, some other uh, younger actors and actresses, uh, well, who are just who are maybe not as well known, um, but basically it's kind of like a Dead Poet Society over the holiday break type of thing, where a couple people get left behind at the school because they're not, you know, they they have nowhere to go, uh, and then they kind of, you know start to bond a little bit but it's not done in a way that's like very obvious or very like cheesy um it is a dramedy in the truest sense of the word you know it's not laugh out loud funny but it and, and it has its dramatic moments but it's not a heavy drama it's an enjoyable kind of lighthearted film at times um but uh yeah i loved it i really liked it a lot um and again Paul Giamatti was just so terrific in it, but uh, a really good, enjoyable, fun film uh, surprised me how much I liked it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I really, really went into it, I think, kind of, I try not to have expectations going to movies, but I kind of expected to hate it. Um, and I think that's part of why I liked it so much was because it just took me by surprise. So that's my number five, The Holdovers, making a lot of top 10 lists from critics and stuff, um, but I think deservedly so. Yeah, well, it's, uh, as, as you said, it's been, I've seen it cropping up in so many lists. It doesn't release here in the UK until the 15th of January. So okay. that's why I've not seen it yet. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it because I do like Paul G. And Matty. I know what you mean about him, though, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad it's a good one. I'm glad it's the, the critics got it right. So uh, I look forward to going to see that at the cinema. Absolutely. All right. Before you continue, I do have another comment from James who clearly. Uh, just has very similar movie tastes to me, um, which I think is awesome. But he says, I think The Holdovers might be my movie of the year. Again, I've seen a lot of people say that, so no yeah, yeah, yeah. surprise there. Felt very much like Curtis Hansen's Wonder Boys in vibe and the way it's shot. Poignant and Giamatti was fantastic. Oh. Agree he can phone it in sometimes. Uh, yeah, I agree with all of that, James. So well said. Thank you. Glad you enjoyed it as well. Didn't quite make my number one, but again, like I said earlier, I could have shuffled these all up. Yeah, um, yeah. And it would have been almost the same. So it could have definitely come close. I, I think the only thing kept it from being number one is I, I lean more towards certain genres, um, you know, uh, but definitely it's, it's you know, top five. That's that's pretty good, I think. So Excellent. I look forward to seeing it. And I also, uh, thanks for reminding me of Wonder Boys, James. I will have to give that a rewatch because I remember enjoying that one. Okay, my number five is, uh, it's Air, directed by Ben Affleck. It's what? The one that's Air. Oh, air. So I got your your accent can get a little bit yeah. down. Air, it's air. It's, it's air. And I'm like, eh. Like what? Yeah. Just it's what about yeah, Jordan one? It's like it's oh. some, some kind of art house film. Feel like what are you talking about? Yeah, it's, it's called. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Air. Yes. Okay. Good. It's air. Uh, that one from uh, directed by Ben Affleck, who also stars in it. But it's mainly Matt Damon. But it's following uh, Nike. Is it Nike? You say Nike, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Nike, when they were, turns out they weren't always the monster, you know, that they are now. But it, it follows it follows Matt Damon's character trying to get uh, Michael Jordan yep. to be, be related. What is it, sponsored or related? Well, anyway, get involved with uh, making a shoe. Yeah, spokesman for, for Nike. Uh, it's something I, I, I'm not really into sneakers or trainers, as they're called here, or basketball mainly because it's not that well it might be bigger in the uk i'm not a big sports fan but anyway so i wasn't really up on the whole thing about what went on there but i do like these kind of films where it's dealing with real life events and it's, it's like an ensemble cast and it's it's something it's something which uh it's you know dealing with businesses and designs and sports and it all comes together 
and it's 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 something you wouldn't really think would make a good film, but when it's done well, which it was in this case, I just I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Great characters, great performances, and just the ins and outs and the lengths you go to, or what you have to do, or the mindset you need to have in that business. I just find it absolutely fascinating. It's like uh, lifting the lid, and you're just seeing this world which you'll never be part of, but you sort of go, "Wow, that's just it." Just blew my mind the thing that goes into it, but. And I just, it was quite funny as well, which I wasn't expecting to be as funny as it was. Uh, I also like the fact Michael Jordan is in it, but, uh, well, not the, the real bike. There's, there's an actor playing Michael Jordan, but he doesn't really say anything. Uh, you just see him. He's, Michael Jordan isn't the focus. It's on the focus of these guys from Nike trying to get Michael Jordan to be involved and designing the shoe. And it's just, it's just uh, a nice snapshot of that particular time and moment in time. And the money involved. The money that was made is just what the hell? Mm. Yeah, that's my number five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I really liked Air. Actually, it was another one that made my short list, but then just didn't make the cut. Um, but I also I enjoyed it quite a bit, and it is it is fascinating to see kind of how small like he was and what a huge chance they took on these Air Jordans and how oh, much, totally. they, like you said, the money, the numbers of how much it paid off is is staggering. So, yeah, I enjoyed the heck out of it. Good choice. Excellent. All right. My number four um, was one of those movies that did well, but it was also early in the year and it, it did, you know, it did well for its budget, but it wasn't like a, this huge monster hit or anything like that. Uh, and remember earlier I said that I kind of sort of had a second sequel on here. So yeah, yeah. my number four is Missing. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Storm Reed and uh, Joaquin de Almeida. Um, Searching was the first one, wasn't it? Searching was the first one with John Cho. And it was, uh, Searching was this really neat film about a dad searching for his missing teenage daughter. And it's all told through like social media and video calls and video chats and like everything on a computer and a phone. And it, it sounds like one of those things that maybe wouldn't work, but it actually worked really, really well. So Missing is sort of the follow-up, if you will, to... Yeah searching it's not really a sequel because the stories are completely independent of each other but they take place in sort of the same there's like one little cross connective scene that sort of is like oh this happens in the same universe but they're not really related per se so it's not only really a sequel but um this time the, the the roles are reversed it's a teenage girl trying to find her missing mother um and her mom went off on vacation with her new boyfriend and then her mom goes missing and it it goes from there and same thing she goes like she's hacking into her mom's phone and trying to find all of her like you know different accounts and like guessing her passwords and all that. so the whole thing is told through kind of like the computer screen interface and all the various pop-ups of phone calls and video calls it has it has a bunch of, a bunch of dialogue and stuff because it's her talking on the phone and on video chats and she enlists this guy down in Colombia or whatever it is to help her so there's a lot of their interplay um but it's just both of them are really great and they're so engaging and so interesting and the mystery of it is so well written and the way they pull off this 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 whole video interface there's constantly things popping up on the screen but not in a way that's hard to follow or frenetic um and it's a really interesting storytelling device i wouldn't want to see every movie told that way but for yeah, this yeah. very particular story where it's like hey there's a missing person the police aren't helping let me try and track them down using social media and all these other various 20th century 21st century tools um it was really well done and i just um yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And also, I need to just say, uh, Joaquim de Almeida is a national treasure. I'm not sure which nation he counts as. So he's not American. But anyway, um, <laughs> he's one of those guys. If you don't know who he is, just Google his You'll know his face. He's been in everything. Um, but he's just, he's just phenomenal in everything. He's such a great 
supporting character actor. I've never seen him give a bad performance. Um, and he he's just added value again to this. So uh, my number four missing, um, even if you think like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this. The format of it is going to bother me. Give it a try. It's really fantastic. And you do not have to have seen the first film um, to understand it. But if you watch the first film, you'll, I think you'll get more out of this one. And I think you'll also really enjoy the first film searching. So check them both out. It's a good double feature. Okay. I've seen neither. So I need to. Oh, yeah, you definitely have yeah. They're really good. Yeah. Because I, I do like John Cho as well when he's in, yeah. the, in the right role. Yep. And he was he was a lovely chap when I met him. Yes, he was. Yes. Uh okay, so good stuff. I'll put them on my list. My number four is a film I'm sure is definitely not on your list <laughs> because it's a Wes Anderson film. Oh yeah. I know exactly uh, what you're gonna yeah. say. So that's my number four. Bye. Okay. No, my number four is Asteroid City, which is I'm gonna have to read this. It's a retro futuristic version of the 1950s. Uh, where a television host introduces a live production of a documentary about the creation and production of Asteroid City, which is a play. Yeah. I, yeah, because I, I didn't know much about it. Well, I knew the basics of the film from the trailer, but when I went in, sat down in the cinema, and it's introduced by uh, Brian Cranston in this black and white TV show, and it goes within behind the scenes of a show of a play. I was going, what the hell is going on? And I was like that for... Well, not most of the movie. It soon clicked what it was what it was doing and talking about acting and things. But I just I do really like Wes Anderson films. I love the the whole style. I love the 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 way he does things. I love the performances. Although it's you love things. I, I can very well understand why people don't like it. You love but things. this one. I really liked it because it was it was very meta and then meta again. And there was some moments. There's a scene where Jason Schwartzman steps out onto. Uh, a balcony and talks to Margot Robbie briefly, which I thought was a, an amazing, beautiful little bit. There's also aliens in it, and it's just it's utterly bonkers, bizarre, but also just I just I was just captivated and I loved it, and that's why it's my number four. All right, um, look, I we all know I'm not a huge Wes Anderson fan, and I. I, I his movies are weird. Like I kind of hate them, but then at the same time, I don't entirely hate them, but mostly I hate them. Um, <laughs> like, you, look, you can make any kind of movie you want. I just, sometimes I'm like, why, why do you do the things you do? Like you could have just told the sort of asteroid city story as its own movie and it would have fit perfectly into the Wes Anderson canon. The whole idea of making it a show about a play about all that. I, to me, it just like, didn't add anything. It was like, what is this bringing to the story? Like I'm supposed to care about these characters, but now You've told me that they're all fake, so I don't care about them, even if I barely cared about them before because it's a Wes Anderson movie. Also, why is everything square? Um, <laughs> it's just I, I just can't get into it. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And this I, whole style of swoosh. Here's this character. Now the camera swooshes back this way and just focus on this character, and then it swooshes back this way and focus on this character, and it's all in squares, all in boxes. It just gets so tiring. It's like I would like to see it, Wes Anderson make a movie that isn't just so Wes Anderson. I know he can do it because I've seen Bottle Rocket and I love Bottle Rocket. Um, and that's just a guy making a movie. It's not some crazy stylized thing. And it's like, I don't know why he has to be so Wes Anderson all the time. No, I, I agree. I would like to see him make a film where you go in and go, and it just, it's, it, it just does it totally differently. Right. Like, I just feel like, there's other filmmakers who are trying to break out of their sort of mold, and I think they're doing it more successfully. And I think Wes Anderson is just leaning more and more into his mold. And like, hey, that's fine. Like, that oh, you do, although, you. 
but I don't care for it. To be fair, though, when you look, thinking of it from an artistic viewpoint, because I think it's very much based in the world of art, as like f film often is, but uh, you get like the artist like Picasso, and you see that earlier work where it looks like what we many of us consider to be like, oh, it's a, that's a really good portrait. It looks like the person, or it's a brilliant landscape. But then as like the old masters, as they were called, they they move on and then they find a style and it constantly develops, but then it often becomes very simplified and just refined until you get like the Picasso, you know, with the bizarre faces and things like that, or right. Van Gogh who uh, goes to his, you know what, you, everybody yeah. knows what I mean, that kind of thing. I'm wondering whether it's like that with Wes Anderson, where he had, as you say, Bottle Rocket is a great movie, but it's like kind of standard kind of, you know, what you expect when you see a movie. And as time's gone on, he's constantly just trying to, in his mind, he's trying to find the this particular vision, yeah. and he yeah. can't. He's always trying to refine it and make it exactly what he wants. Which, even if you don't like it, it's kind of it's it's good. I think it's good that there's people in the world doing that, and they have a vision that they want to do, and it's it's an actual proper vision. It's not just someone calling a person visionary to do this, but it's it's just it's a proper. It's a thing. I'm just glad there's people like Wes Anderson doing stuff like that, even if you don't particularly like it, because I think we need that kind of passion sure. and vision in the world. I, I don't disagree with any of that. I just wish he'd stop doing it. No, I, I wish he'd take a break. Stop <laughs> that vision and just say, oh, I found it. Now let me try something different, because yeah. he always gets these amazing casts, and there's always some germ of the movie that I'm kind of like, well, this part's interesting, and then he just does it so Wes Anderson that I'm like, nope, nope, no, 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 I'm done. Don't care. <laughs> I want to see Bottle Rocket 2, Revenge yeah. of the Bottle. Oh, yeah, because it would just be like the three of them in boxes talking to each other with the camera swooshing all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, okay. Well, you were right. That is not on my list. Didn't even come close. I don't even want to tell you what I think I rated that. Uh, okay. It wasn't a lot. Um, anyway, my number three, and now people are going to be like, well, what's your number three then, Mike? And I'm going to list a totally dumb mainstream movie. People are going to be like, you like that better than Wes Anderson? You're a moron. It's it's not no way i always say it doesn't matter you know if you like the film you like it because uh i don't oh, like yeah. the i don't like the art you know picking it because you know putting other people down because yeah. they don't like the film you yeah you like or things like that well my number three is renfield starring oh my god how could you no 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 <laughs> nicholas's nicholas cage and nicholas holt uh, as well as aquafina in a supporting role um man talk about a movie that surprised me yeah. Um, I thought the trailer for Renfield was pretty fun, and I thought the idea of Nicolas Cage playing Dracula was, you know, cool. Because we all know Nicolas Cage can be, like, completely over-the-top crazy and ridiculous, and he can also be a great actor. Um, and, you know, you never know which one you're going to get. Uh, in this movie, he's actually both. He's completely over-the-top ridiculous and a brilliant performance at the he's same time. He's amazing, in it? Yeah. 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 Um, but I, the, I, the, like... It's such a funny movie. I mean, it's basically it is, you know, Renfield in modern times and he wants to get away from being Dracula's assistant and uh, things go wrong and there's a crime family involved and he kind of becomes friends with a human and realizes there's more to life than just serving Dracula. But like, it's this weird action comedy hybrid that should not work nearly as well as it does, but it does. Like there's action scenes with like slow motion and like, you know, really great editing and they're really, 
well done because uh, he can eat like a spider and kind of go into like superhero mode almost. It, it, it makes more sense than it sounds like. He's not like a superhero. Uh, but then there's also a bunch of comedy and Nicolas Cage playing Dracula just like really chewing it up and just having a ball with the role. Um, and, uh, and Aquafina is great. She adds some comic relief. You know, she's sort of the, the, the everyday person seeing all this crazy weird stuff going on. Um, but man, I just thought it was so much. I had so much fun watching it. I just was amazed at how how enjoyable it was. Um, and I like Nicholas Holt a lot. It was just, it really, really just worked fired on all levels. And it's, it's one of those movies where I think people see the trailer and go, Oh, that looks kind of fun. And then maybe don't bother seeing it. Um, but you should fix that because it is a blast. Um, and I, I, I wish it had done better. I wish I gotten more attention, but hopefully maybe some people will watch it now. Uh, but it, it's terrific. That's my number three Renfield. Um, yeah, check it out. Check it out. It's out on video. It's probably on streaming somewhere. Um, and it's terrific. Yeah, I I totally agree with everything you said. It's it, it almost made my list, but then when I was re going over it again, it just didn't quite manage. But yeah, it's uh, I loved Nicolas Cage's Dracula. Is just when I first heard about it, I was going, "Oh no, <laughs> this, this could be amazing or it could be really bad." But yep. it was amazing. Uh, yep. The fact he just he's he, he basically just gaslights Renfield all the way through, and it's just this this horrible horrible. Even if he wasn't a vampire, just be a horrible, terrible uh, abuser uh, relation, uh, in a you know, relationship. And it's just fascinating they did that, but it also made it hilarious. And it also, you go, well, yeah, that's what a vampire would do with the, the, an underling. It's just, it's, and I love the, uh, the, the effects as well when you see him, because when you first see him, he's all, he's in a mess, let's say. Yeah. But I love the, uh, the practical effects on his, you know, the prosthetics and things. Mm -hmm. And I imagine uh, Nicolas Cage really enjoyed that. But yeah. It's just, it's a bizarre film. It shouldn't work, but it does. And some of the action scenes talk about gore and stuff, but yeah, it's, it's in this, as I said earlier, if it's done, if it's done right, it's, I don't mind the gore and it's, it's done, it's really good in this one. Yep. But I'm glad I made your list. Uh, my number three then, and mine is a comic book movie, mm. live action comic book movie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's one I didn't think would be on my list when I first saw it, but as time's gone on, I revisited it's got it's obviously gone up and up but it's yeah it's an adaption of a graphic novel it is the killer david finch is the killer interesting so people you know going oh comic book movies oh yeah remember you do get some good comic book movies still based on smaller things but this one yeah it's uh michael fassbender is a hitman does a job things go wrong and then he's trying to get revenge but it's he doesn't say much in the film, but his voiceover keeps going on all through the film, saying to do what he does, you've got to be professional, you've got to follow these rules, never get involved. And I thought this was going to be like a gritty hitman movie, like we've we've often seen. And it is gritty in lots of ways. It's David Fincher, it's got his visual flair, his style, the things, but it's actually a goddamn stupid comedy because every time this voiceover is going on because initially I thought, oh, too much voiceover, but going back every time it's this his voiceover is going, you've got to do, you should never ever do this, and then he immediately does it. Yeah. You've always got to be, you know, on you on guard for this, and he he misses it. He's constantly contradicting himself, and you realize you're going, this guy's a. I was going to swear that this guy's an idiot, <laughs> but it's just you're just taken along, and it's just wow, what's going to happen? And there's some amazing, there's a there's a brilliant fight scene with this huge hulking guy there's great scene with tilda swinton loads of great scenes moments where you are going oh no don't do it what's going to happen uh 
bit bit with a nail gun and i was going why would you do that of course they're gonna die but uh yeah it's just it was one of those and as as i said at the start it's it's it stayed with me i kept thinking about it then i went back and watched it again and went yeah i yeah i missed the point the first time but it's yeah that's my number three very good choice i realize now i missed an opportunity to pair it with to catch a killer and totally killer and killer killer. like could have been like a nice you know trending thing there but i missed yeah 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 um, I really liked the killer quite a bit, actually. I liked it a lot. It just missed my list, but it was definitely one that I thought about putting on there. I made my short list. So, um, so yeah, great choice. Excellent. Uh, excellent. Now it's going to get controversial. Top two. Top two. I, I mean, for real, of my number two pick, because not only do I know what you're going to say about it, but I also <laughs> that everybody. Oh, no. It. Is it not? Oh, no. Everybody else cool. hated it, too. Uh, it's okay. I, if you like it, you like it. I have never seen so much unwarranted derision online for a movie, at least not in quite some time. I don't know what the hell is wrong with people. Um, So I'm just going to say it. My number two is Rebel Moon, the new Zack Snyder film on Netflix. Uh, Boy, people hate this movie. But also, lots of Zack Snyder films, (laughs) loads of people love it. Some of them to an extreme, which I'm going, no, hold on a minute. Right. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm there with this one. I just no, you're not. You're not there, but yeah, really enjoyed it. Like I was all in on it for whatever reason. Like I, like we, we all know Zack Snyder's made a bunch of bad movies, but he also made some really good movies early on in his career. And I felt like this was kind of getting back a little bit to that, but with the style that he sort of likes to use now. It's, it's totally. I, I get some of the complaints about it. I can see them, but like, I don't know. I just, I just really enjoyed. It. I thought it looks amazing. The special effects are fantastic. I thought the action scenes were great i do my biggest complaint about it is that sophie butella is not a great actress she's the lead actress i don't think her performance is great and i i know that she's very known for doing physical roles but i also wonder is there not a better actress out there who's also more physical like who could do physical roles but whatever that's a minor complaint um her character doesn't really need to do a lot of heavy acting yeah Uh, that's the thing i also don't think it's she's helped with the fact her character is so reserved and right yeah she's so a character it doesn't do her any favors um but man i had fun watching this movie and i know that everyone come like like you go ahead phil what's your biggest complaint about the movie tell me because i know what it is uh well i found myself being bored okay that's Uh, not the the main thing was it's uh as i said on your when you posted it it's it's the references. There's everything. Right. There's not. I don't feel there's anything original in the film. And normally, right. you know, I I don't mind sometimes because I've seen other films where they reference so many other things. Mm-hmm. But I I I go. I just go with the film and everything. But this one, every time I saw them, it sort of pulled me out. I go, oh, that's so and so, because it was. It felt so blatant for me. Right. I didn't. I've seen people, you know, say it's the worst film of all time and all that stuff. That's, I don't think it is. I just feel. Well, let's just say I'm going to watch the the Snyder cut, right? Which for is whatever also- reason that, that that got on my nerves as well. Which yeah, I'm not a fan of that whole thing. I'm not going to get into all the behind the scenes stuff. About yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but, you know, I think a lot of people have said it doesn't have an original bone in its body, and I'm kind of like, when did that become the standard for liking a movie? Like, I understand on the one hand that the criticism that it should yeah. be more original, but I'm also like, you know. There's a lot of other movies that aren't that original. Avatar isn't the most original film in the oh, world. Oh, I know. I know. I've problems with Avatar as well because I could see that what it was. It's, as I said, if it's, it's stuff like that in Avatar, that took me out of the film as well. It doesn't happen with every film where, because there's, there's other films as well where I've just gone, oh, yeah, but for some reason this pulled me out. But I think a lot of it as well was because there is a longer cut. I, it also felt like you're going, 
this what's oh we're not why are we here now there's just it was right. just moved too fast which i, I don't that. think it, i don't think the film or netflix did any favors by having this shorter cut first of all sure well i really liked it i think um you know i I made not the most original thing in the world, but it's also to me, it was like a mashup. It was like, okay, well, uh, it's like a, we, I want to make a Star Wars movie and a Dune movie, but they won't let me do either of those. So I'm going to mash them together and here you go. But I love Star Wars and I love Dune. So you put them together. I'm pretty excited about that. You know what I mean? Um, I do also find it interesting. People are like, it's not original. Now I'm going to go watch the 400th episode of uh, <laughs> CSI Nebraska, which is different <laughs> every single time and is never the same at all. No, the thing is though, you loved it, and that's all that matters. I, yeah. I'm, never, I'm never one person. If, if you love it, I'm not going to say you shouldn't love it because of this, this, and this. Right. I, I, I was, I was hoping it was. I was going to love it. I was hoping I was, I was, you know, because I, I do like some Zack Snyder stuff. Uh, maybe he shouldn't have. I've always, I've always had the thing saying, well, maybe it's always the ones where Zack Snyder's written himself never quite seemed to hit as well as the ones where somebody else has written it. Right for me, right. but uh, yeah, but if, if you loved it, that's fine. If, if you also if people hated it, that's fine, but yeah, I also I don't, I don't understand though. There's been so seeing online so much vitriol and arguing between yeah. people, and you go on, it doesn't matter, it's a movie. If you don't like it, move on. I have heard a lot of people complaining there's too much slow motion in it. I want to just say one. There's not. It's not that that much. Like, settle down. Two, slow motion is a lost art. Like, back in, like, the 80s and stuff, they used slow motion in action movies to emphasize really cool shots. Nowadays, everything has gone to the Jason Bourne model, where there's 72 cuts in three seconds of film, and you can't tell what the hell is happening. Now, I know Zack Snyder likes his slow motion maybe a little too much, but it's a lost art, and I'm glad that him... It's it's ironic that the people, only people who still use it are him and Michael Bay, which are, like, the two most hated filmmakers in Hollywood. Um, but, like, can we knock it off with the hating on slow motion? It's a cool technique. It's always been a cool technique, and it's like we need it once in a while because otherwise you get things like, you know, Spider-Verse, which don't use anything like that, and you can't tell what's going on some of the times. I know people are going to be like, what? My head just exploded because you like Rebel Moon better than Spider-Verse. But I'm just saying, slow motion is awesome. It doesn't need to be overused. Sure, maybe he overuses a little bit, but it's really a technique that I wish more people would use in action and science fiction films where it can really just be such a cool, like, accent. So anyway, just needed to say that. Fair enough. And we all like what we like. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. It's all our own opinion. Right. Exactly. Except I'm right, and everybody else is wrong in this case. So anyway, well, moving on. Uh, this is your <laughs> so what's your number two? My number two is uh, is I'm not yeah I don't know. Uh, my number two is Oppenheimer. Christopher Nolan. Normally I don't like Christopher Nolan. Well, I know you've said that he's too Christopher, cold. Christopher Nolan is not one of my favorite filmmakers. I know that's some people be going what the hell, but we've talked about it in the past plenty of times. I've always felt. He sort of peaked with uh, Memento. He did do following before then. Uh, Memento, and then it's sort of been... I mean, I still watch them. I think some of them... Some of it looks amazing. I enjoyed... I do enjoy moments in them, but his sound mix, for God's sake, what's with the sound mix? Anyway, but this one I really enjoyed. Uh, some brilliant performances. I'm sure you know. it. Uh, maybe it was because I went to see it with Barbie as well the next... I, not with Barbie. I saw Barbie as well the next day, but so it was. It was a the Barbie. The Barbieheim, I think, is one of the has been brilliant for cinema because you've got people going to the cinema to see both, who probably wouldn't do it. But anyway, that's beside the point. But this one, this 
biopic about Oppenheimer, I just thought was fantastic. Uh, I didn't know much about it apart from the fact he was he developed the atomic bomb and he said, I have become death, a quote. And that's all I really knew about him. So it was great seeing what, what had gone on before, before that moment, during that moment, and then afterwards, the way he was treated and the Robert Downey Jr.'s character as well. I, yep. I like the way it went from being this uh, bi a biopic about this huge event and getting all these scientists together. Then it becomes, the, the film almost seems to change to become this, this uh, little thriller conspiracy thing going on. Uh, but brilliant performances. So many people in Josh Hartnett again, who does an amazing thing. Yeah, I, I love him that bit. But so many faces you're going, that's so and so, that's him. Oh yep. my god, uh, it's Huey from the boys. Uh, doesn't he look like Dennis Quaid? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's the effects were really good. The sound mix wasn't as bad as some previous films because you could actually understand most of the time what right. was going on. Uh, what was it? There was something I was going to say. Uh, I thought Matt Damon was great. Yes. Oh, and there was something else, but it's gone. Well, but no, uh, Killian Murphy, though, was just absolutely amazing as Oppenheimer. I can see why he's getting some some award love. Oh, that was it. And there were some people complaining, saying, well, it didn't show what was going on in Japan, you know, because of the terrible events that did happen because of the right. bomb and things like that. But it, the film was about Oppenheimer, and we were, it, we were only following him. Yep. So I think it was right not to do that, because otherwise... It sort of not going to say detracts, but sort of takes away yeah. because we're following one person through their life, so right? And you did see, you know, the guilt and when when he realised what had happened. I think I thought it handled it really well. That's yeah. my number two, Oppenheimer. All right. Um, well, uh, Oppenheimer would definitely have made my list if it was about forty minutes shorter. Oh, I can see. Yeah, I can see that as well. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. I really liked Oppenheimer. I thought the script was really good. I thought the performances were amazing. It, I thought it, it is one of Nolan's better films in, in sort of the way it's made. But man, it is long and it is a lot of talking. And I wish I could say that I didn't get bored at points, but I did, especially in that first hour. I just and as I was watching, I think the problem for me, what really hurt it for me was that as I was watching it, there were scenes that after they finished, I was kind of like, well, that scene wasn't necessary. Like we could have cut that scene and this film would have been just fine. And there was enough of those to where I started to go, okay, this movie's too long. Like I, 40 minutes might be an exaggeration, but even like 20 minutes out of it, 20 to 30 minutes, I think you would have really gotten all the same stuff across and we wouldn't really miss that much, you know? Yeah, yeah. I just see what you mean, yeah. It just went on a little bit too long for me. And again, it was more front-loaded, some of the early stuff that I was like, ah, oh, we could have skipped some of this, you know, some some little scenes here and there where I go, that scene didn't add anything to this, you know, and there was just enough of that to add up to kind of keep it from being one of my favorites of the year. But a good Fair film. Enough, yeah. yeah, totally agree. Okay. Good stuff. All right. Well, my number one then is the only uh, film on my list then so far, although I have suspicions, uh, to appear on your list. Oh, I thought so because there was if it's the film I'm thinking of, you were awfully quiet after I finished talking about it. <laughs> Not much getting by you, Phil. Uh, you are correct. I don't want to give it away because that's my number one. It wasn't just like uh, oh, I thought, yeah, yeah. number three or something, I would have jumped in, but this is my number one. So uh it is the creator. Um oh, which very glad to see on your list, actually, because um, I did add that was honestly that was the one film that sort of eked out the others where I did kind of say like it was 
pretty much when I started putting the list together, it was my number one, I thought, but I thought maybe something else could overtake it, but nothing else really did. Um, it wasn't, uh, you know, that slam dunk, slam dunk, but it was definitely like, in terms of comparatively speaking, I was definitely still, I was just really blown away by the film. Um, I thought that everything you said about it, it's beautiful looking, great mm -hmm. story with, you know, it's kind of classic story of the guy saving the kid and all that stuff. Um, the effects, like you said, are amazing. The fact they did on $80 million, Oh, it's just it tells me that Hollywood needs to get better at making these big budget films because yeah. it looks better, like you said, than ninety percent of the other movies I've seen out there that cost three times as much. Um, and I can be hit or miss with Garth Edwards. I do like some of his films and some of his movies. I don't love quite as much, but uh, Gareth Edwards, excuse me. Um, but I really love this one, and I, I loved the world building that they could put together in just over two hours. Oh, There's totally, yeah, yeah world built that you totally understand it's like watching the first star wars movie like when you watch star wars the first time you're like oh i get everything that's happening the empire the rebels like it all makes sense that's how this movie was like oh i get it i see who the good guys are i see the bad guys are i see how the society works all in a way that's still packed with action and and pathos and a drama and characters um and just outstanding i really enjoyed it my only complaint the only thing that really kept it from being uh like a five star fully five star movie instead of being like it came in at like four and a half um is the ending felt feels a little bit rushed um yeah i know what you mean I they spend that. a lot of time getting to this one thing and then once that happens it kind of happens quickly i felt like and I, I felt like it could use just a little bit more breathing room in the last half hour um just a little bit yeah, but yeah. minor complaint i still thought the movie was phenomenal um and it's it didn't do very well at the box office so anybody who has not seen it highly recommend i mean it was one of the only films so far that's been on both of our lists if that doesn't tell you something um it's the creator john david washington's fantastic in it everybody's fantastic in it and it's just a gorgeous film tons of great science fiction great story great thinking um and great action so check it out the creator is my number one film of 2023 Excellent. Glad it was on your list as well. I'm glad it was your number one. I can yes. totally see why. It's got some great examples of, you know, the whole show don't tell. Right. Thing, which many films these days, for some reason, just don't seem to get right. But uh, as you yeah. say, the world building is phenomenal. Within like the first couple of minutes, I mean, there is exposition, but the way it's done is just, you know, it's in newsreels and video yep. and yep. Uh, people talking and radios. It's it's done in the right way. It's not just somebody yep. going, so anyway, blah, 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 blah. Right, it's, right, it's, yeah. You just you're just getting all this information without quite realizing it. But yeah, glad it was your number one. Yeah. Well, my number one. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it. I think yeah, I know it, one is. If I'm right, on your list. Okay. If I'm right, I'm just gonna say that I was right. You have to believe me. But go ahead. No, I know. I know you. I know what you mean. It is. Uh, it is, of course, Rebel Moon. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, but if it's if hey, if you're listening out there and Rebel Moon's your number one, that's fine. Don't let people put you down if that's, that's the case. Right. Like what you like, because, you know, we all love movies. Watch whatever you want. Exactly. Okay, my number one is Godzilla minus one. I knew it. Is that <laughs> number two if it's minus one? Okay, no. It's <laughs> No, go the other way. Anyway, Godzilla minus one, which I just thought was – I went to the cinema to see it after – I'd enjoy seeing the trailers. Mm -hmm. uh, I got excited as well because when I was with you in New York, we went to the yep. – the Japan Society Center and watched the original 1950s Godzilla, which I've always loved. Uh, but I've never been, like you mentioned, I've never been a mega huge Godzilla fan. There's lots of the, the films over the years I've not seen. Yep. I have fond memories of being younger, watching some of those cheesy ones where yeah. Godzilla was the good guy with Son of Godzilla, whatever. But anyway, he's Godzilla is a, a creature which seems to be fit into many different genres. 
but at, at the heart of the original was this force of nature this big scary beastie who if you saw him you would you, you were practically dead right. the first of the original film you do get that a lot but because of the effects and the time it hasn't because of our what we've we've been spoiled basically yeah. nowadays yeah. but i enjoyed seeing it on the big screen the original but seeing this one i just i actually felt scared right whenever godzilla was almost there or just mentioned or you're suddenly going oh my god anyone could die mm -hmm. what's gonna happen the first time you see him as well where he sort of he looks almost a bit like because he's a lot smaller because of less nuclear testing but right he looks almost like the it's similar legs i'm sure that i need to see it again but the legs seem similar to the godzilla from the matthew broderick version mm -hmm. which i found interesting but no it's uh but when he when he's full size and the bit and the bit in the ocean you know following the the ship which uh is just yeah. like i was going oh my god it's like jaws and then yeah. i found out the filmmaker used jaws as a reference for yeah. making it and it's the same you get the whole dynamic on the boat with those people as well but it's that's it that brings me to the main the best thing about the film was the human characters in it because so often they put human characters into these godzilla films so you go oh the humans but you're just going well they're boring i want to yeah. see godzilla and the other monsters fight it fighting each other but this time the characters are so well written so well acted and their their backstory and what their futures and things i just kept going well i want to see more of them What's yeah. going on? And, and it, it would cut, and you go, and well, this is good, but you know, what's going to happen with them? You know, this right. it was it was so good, and the 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 scientist guy with the glasses, and they go, well, what what are you going to do? You know, I want to come with you. You know, well, no, we want you to live, so you're not coming with us. And it was it was good seeing a film where people are just they want to work together to make sure others can survive, yeah. and it wasn't just about for glory and stuff. It was going, we might not live through this. But we're going to do it anyway because nobody else is, and we want to make sure people are safe. But yeah. then when Godzilla shows up, it's just when he hits the city, and it's just oh my god, just the, the scale of it. You just felt this, this, you felt every step. You saw people dying. You go and get out the way, and then when the the atomic breath, yeah, you know, the chunk, a chunk, a chunk up his back. <laughs> and when he blew that out, and it's suddenly just basically like it's a nuclear bomb going off. Right. So many good things. So so brilliant. As you said, it's like a remake, reimagining of the original film. And again, it was another. The budget on this was uh, fifteen million dollars. That's Only crazy. Fifteen million dollars to make. How much did you say? Fifteen one yeah. five. Un unbelievable. So with that and the creator, it shows. I mean, it's still a ridiculous amount of money for the likes of us, but in, the, when it, in terms of movies these days, yeah. that's that's very, very low. And, and the quality they made with the special effects and everything is just phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's my number one, Godzilla minus one. All right, excellent choice. So there you have it. That is our top 10 films of 2023. Only two crossover films. So that's not too bad at all. It gives you a lot yeah, of things yeah. to choose from. Um, Phil, do you have any honorable mentions you would like to mention real quick? I do. Let me quickly get this. Where is it? Was it gone? Yes, there was. Uh, da -da -da -da. Uh, landscape with invisible hand, which was a weird indie thing, which was bizarre about an alien invasion, but a slow alien invasion okay. where the aliens are trying to help us. Okay. But they're not. Okay. Uh, John Wick 4, just because mm. some great stunt work. Mm. And. 
Mission Impossible. The last one. The rest of the name escapes me. Dead Reckoning. Yeah, Dead Reckoning Part One. Yeah. What about you? Um, yes. Uh, so the three that I really wanted to highlight, because these are the ones that I had to cut from my top 10, it was really hard for me, um, were Elemental, the Disney Pixar film, which I liked so much more than I expected to, because I'm not so oh, much... Oh, yeah, I've not seen that one. Yeah, I forgot about that. Really enjoyed that. Uh, Gran Turismo, which when I saw it in theaters in the summer, I said, well, that's going to be in my top 10 list, and somehow did not make the cut, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, a great, like, real-life kind of biopic that has great racing scenes in it. Um, and I know what people are going to say, but I don't care. Fast X, the uh, Fast and the Furious latest one, um, which honestly could have been in the top. Yeah, I was surprised it wasn't in the list. I was expecting it there because I do know you're a huge fan of the Fast and Furious film. I am, and I really loved it. To be honest with you, I um, it could have been like my top three because I enjoyed it so much. But it was one of those things that was like... I've talked about the film so many times and it didn't seem like it was so important to fit it in there. So when I was looking for things to cut, I was like, ah, I'll keep fast X out. It's <laughs> going to hold up to repeat viewings sometimes. I don't know. I just sort of was like, but it could easily be in my top three. So uh, I might have sold myself short on that one a little bit, but I was trying to be interesting, I guess. So that, that's given me an idea though. Cause now there's 10 films. We should do Mike's top 10 fast and furious films. Oh, we should rank them. Yeah. It's a good oh, idea. Yeah. You need to watch them all so we can rank them together. I've seen most of them. I've just I don't think I've seen the last one. A um, couple others I want to mention real quickly: Champions with Woody Harrelson, um, where he plays the coach of a special needs basketball team. Very sweet, very funny film. Yeah, um, I was surprised by "Are You There, God?" It's me, Margaret. I've seen a lot of people putting that on their top ten lists. It wasn't that good for me, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, the Covenant by Guy Ritchie, almost, I should have put it as a tie, um, with Jake Gyllenhaal, fantastic action film, really liked it. Would have been on my top 10 if it stuck the landing. The ending falls a little bit short for me, but man, yeah. it's a terrific film up till then. Um, Barbie almost made the cut, really enjoyed that. Yeah, mine was sort of bubbling, Barbie was bubbling around for me. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour, uh, which I loved. It was a great experience, but it wasn't really a movie movie, so I didn't put it on there. And then this isn't actually even one of my highest rated films of the year, but I kind of wanted to mention it. And there's a reason why the exorcist believer so the new exorcist film that came out the main reason i want to mention it is i thought the trailer for it was one of the worst trailers i've ever seen i watched the trailer for that and i was like that movie looks horrible i have no desire to see that what is another dumb exorcist film another dumb exorcism movie it looks just like every other one but it looks worse and I ended up enjoying it quite a bit, actually. Okay. Um, it's actually by um, David Gordon Green, who's done, who did the last three Halloween films, which I didn't yeah, know yeah. until it ended, like, and, and his credits came up. Um, so it wasn't a four-star movie for me. It was like a three-and-a-half-star movie, but that surprised the heck out of me because I thought it was going to be like a zero-star movie from the trailer. Um, so if you kind of are like, I'm interested, it's because of The Exorcist or whatever, it's surprisingly good, I thought. Okay, okay. So Good to know. There you go. Those are my honorable mentions. Some good lists. So if you liked our lists or if you agree or disagree, let us know. And if you want to share your full top 10 films of 2023, uh, put it in the comments and yeah. we can we'll look over them. It will it will also help any other fans of the show. They'll they'll take, see your suggestions and go, I'm gonna watch that. Right. And exactly. we might we'll do it as well. Exactly. All right. So there you go. That was a jam-packed episode. I think we're going to call it here because uh, we've been keeping you for too long as it is. Um, but if you're watching live or you were watching live, thank you. If you're listening after the fact, just as good. Thank you guys as well. Uh, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks on our kind of new schedule that we're working on. We're pretty excited about it. It seems to be working pretty well. 
Um, and uh, we'll be back with a regular traditional episode with, a, with, a, with an after the ending and a top five list. So it'll be back to the norm. But we got to do our annual top 10 films of the year. So I hope you guys mm -hmm. enjoyed this. Uh, I enjoyed it. Phil, how about you? I did as well. It's always good doing a top 10 list. It's always good hearing uh, different opinions and, and films we might have not seen or forgotten about. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, in that uh, on that note, then I'm going to I'm going to wrap things up. So I will just say thank you, everybody, for listening and or watching. We really appreciate it. Um, I'm Mike Spring. Uh, Phil Edwards. Until next time. No, I messed that up, but it's OK. <laughs> we've only made it through an hour and a half without any major mess ups and I just it's been a while I forgot how do I usually end it I say I'm Mike Spring on Cloud Words and we'll see you next time after the ending bam got it <laughs> <laughs> thanks everyone take care yeah good night